Guys, get ready for an absolutely incredible episode today um, where I talk to a world-renowned speaker, serial entrepreneur, author, and mentor who was sentenced to six months in a maximum security prison for something he didn't do. And get this, when I asked him what it was like to be a prisoner, he turned around and he said to me, Daniel, I wasn't a prisoner. I became an undercover agent of change. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 143 of the Can I Pick Your Brain show. Now, my guest today was named one of the greatest leaders and entrepreneurs in 2015 by Inspiring Leadership Now, alongside Sir Richard Branson, Elon Musk, and Mark Zuckerberg. He was twice nominated for the Extraordinary Lives Award by the largest social entrepreneurs organization. He was a finalist for the Great British Entrepreneur Awards in 2016. He's voted as one of the top seven entrepreneur YouTube channels in the world. And he has won an award alongside Hillary Clinton, Tiger Woods, Nelson Mandela, and Steve Jobs. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome to you the one and only Peter Sage. Hey, Peter. So welcome to the show. It's really great to have you. Um, I just want to let my audience know that uh, Peter and I were just like getting into a discussion talking about what we're going to talk about. Like, what are we actually going to talk about on the show? Um, And Peter kind of threw it back at me and said, well, you know, what do you think your audience wants to hear? Um, And I just started delving into the fact that, uh, you know, I started this podcast really predominantly around business. And then I just found that business is really boring on its own right we there's no such thing as just a businessman there's a businessman who who might have children who might be married who you know is thinking about their health thinking about you know so many other things and and when you just focus on business it just becomes one-sided right yeah so um like you know yesterday i i took my my two children one, one of my child children um he's 10 i took him to like a chess tournament and and for me, watching him, you know, beat the, his opponent, just like watching him, that 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 that's what I I don't know. I, that's what does it for me. It's not about making, you know, millions of dollars and you know, like I just I want to live a wholesome life. You know, taking my other son to karate and watching him develop. That's I don't know. I I kind of feel like that's what people want, right? You hit on a. A major point, and it's it's so uh, out there, but people don't see it. It's what I call the elusive obvious. And yeah, what society is conditioned, in my opinion, and I certainly as, a, as an entrepreneur for thirty odd years, as I, I was very active, you know, is that we've confused two things. You know, we have spent our life chasing success and you know, putting it out there and building businesses as a vehicle to try to accelerate that journey. And in reality, what we're really chasing is fulfillment. And success for many people, the vehicles that they're using, which includes business and working 120 hours a week and doing the do and fighting and all the rest of it, um, uh, is uh, uh, business is essentially uh, a vehicle that traps people in because they're playing the wrong game. They're trying to, you know, what I call chasing the curse of the white rabbit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that the white rabbit is the next shiny object that you think will give you fulfillment. But you're never going to catch it because you know, a dog on a track is never going to catch the rabbit because it's not designed for the dog to catch the rabbit. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what I find is that you cannot catch the rabbit of fulfillment by running on the track of achievement. The two are mutually exclusive. And that's where most people fall down and get burnt out or you know, they, they have all the material toys, but they're miserable as hell. Their health is suffering. <laughs> their marriage is in the toilet. Their kids are on drugs. And I think, 
wow, I got to the top of what I thought was success mountain and now I want to jump off. Hmm. So yeah, it's yeah, understanding that fulfillment is completely different. And that comes from yeah, a whole different set of parameters than trying to collect trinkets or, or milestones in a business. Hmm. It comes from focusing on something beyond yourself, how you can grow and contribute the best of who you are and your gift to the world and raise your own consciousness. Uh, and that's really where most of the teachers and the spiritual masters for centuries have, uh, have taught from. Mm-hmm. And you, you've actually just written, written a book recently called um, I Am, right? The Power of Re- Reinventing Yourself. Uh, well, actually, the, uh, that's still in progress. The latest book is actually c- c- quite interesting. It's, um, uh, it's called The Inside Track. Mm. Okay. And the in- that, that is a, uh, a masterclass on how to handle adversity, mm. uh, which, again, it, very few people in life, Daniel, I find, have a context for understanding adversity because they don't really have a context for the meaning of life. And if you can peel back the onion on that, it provides groundwork for for transformation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for me, one of the biggest aspects of emotional maturity comes when you realize that life is actually a growth-centric experience. Yeah, we had to grow up. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mean physically because you know that that we don't get to vote on that. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of there's a lot of you know emotional teenagers running around in adult bodies, mm-hmm. and if we don't have a context for being here and growing up, then we start to resist this you know the tests and the adversities that would uh, compel us to do that, and we start going into a default mentality of designing ourselves into a comfort zone, and unfortunately. They learn too late. You know, the comfort zone is is where you resist adversity rather than embrace it, uh, and it's it's swimming upstream for the rest of your life, as far mm. as I can tell. That's really interesting because. You know, I do a daily show as well as this one. This is a weekly show. And on my daily show, I I pretty much just empty my head. (laughs) It's like 10 minutes of Daniel Geffen just like talking to himself. Literally, I just go to I go to the park around the corner of my house and I and I talk to myself. Obviously, I put my headphones in my ears so that people don't think I'm crazy. They think I'm talking on the phone to someone. But really, I'm just talking to myself. Um, And today I talked about responsibility and how responsibility for me growing up was such a dirty word you know it, it was so scary and i would i would do everything everything to escape from it i would hide i would escape i would you know just literally whatever it took to, to, to avoid responsibility and even when i got married i would find ways to make excuses right and in business i would blame employees i would hire people and then I would just use them. I mean, literally, I'm, I'm being very like raw and, and blunt with myself, but I, but I literally, I would use people as an escape route. So I would say, oh, it's their fault. That's why the business isn't working. The w- reason why the client is calling complaining and wants a refund is because this guy is an idiot and I hide an idiot instead of taking responsibility on myself. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that, and that's been like a, a a pattern in my life. And and you just said, Peter, like you need to grow up, and that's what it's about. And I realized that it's maturity, it's it's re- emotional maturity, realizing, recognizing that that nobody owes you anything. <laughs> like they don't owe you anything, and everything's your your choice, and everything's your responsibility. At the end of the day, hundred percent. And if you're, if you have a context for life or a relationship to life that says that it's it's not growth centric and and it's yeah you're putting yourself in a comfort zone, then anything that challenges or threatens that, which it will, because that's the nature of life, mm-hmm. you know your muscles in the gym get challenged. That's why they're there. They're there to grow. But you know, if you get challenged, you'll start resenting the challenge. You'll start resisting the adversity. You'll start complaining at the circumstances. And that reinforces the victim mentality. You get into a state of mm. default consciousness that I call to me. You know, it's now I, I would have everything in my life, but everything happens to me. Mm. And yeah, that, you know, that, that's a, a hamster wheel to, to nowhere and a lot of unfulfillment fast. And yeah. so for, for many people, yeah, they do tend to grow out of that because life gives you a lot of feedback. You know, there's what I call the rumble strip of life. And if you're going down the freeway, there's a rumble strip for a reason. It's to wake you up and get your attention if you're drifting off and, and you're not paying attention and heading towards the verge. And you know, life has a built-in rumble strip. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're yeah, if you're driving down the, the, the freeway of life and you, know, you think that eating McDonald's every day and supersizing your meal is great, you're going to hit the rumble strip, which may be a mild heart attack. 
Yeah, if you're yeah. being abusive to someone in a relationship, you're going to hit the rumble strip, and that may be them having an affair or threatening to leave. Hmm. Yeah, so that there's a lot of built-in feedback into life. Uh, to, and so if you're playing the victim mentality, it doesn't take long before you realize that, you know, the rumble strip is happening and you're getting feedback that you know, isn't that life is going to give you your golden ticket that you deserve or you think you deserve. It ain't going to happen. Yeah, that's right. Disneyland thinking. But here's, what's, so here's what's, inter- what's interesting, though, Peter, is is that I've noticed that everybody has that rumble strip where they hit it and they're like, oh, my goodness. Right. But some people, they hit it and they hit it. And they hit it, and they keep hitting it. Like my dad, my dad's a good example. Um, he's he's a chain smoker, okay. And like literally growing up, it was it was terrible. I kept telling him stop, stop smoking, and my my mother would tell him stop smoking, and and it was and we kept telling him you're gonna die. Like you're just like filling your lungs up with 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 smoke, like with tobacco. What are you doing? And he's like, well, no, I'll you know I'll stop one day. I'll stop whatever it was, until one day he got a heart attack. And he almost died, uh, and he had to have a, a, um, a, an operation, an emergency operation. And when he came out of it, he was so shaken up. And the doctor said, "Look, that was your last cigarette. If you want to live, that that has to have been your last cigarette." And and it worked for seven years, and then one day, picked up a cigarette. And I, I, to me, it's just like, what? How could you do that? I don't understand. But, right. Yeah. But part of the reason that I, I see where people make, um, let's just say, you know, transient transformation or they change temporarily hmm. is because they, you know, they, they have a behavior uh, and that behavior you know, identifies them. Let's call it, you know, let's take your dad's example. So he's a smoker. Hmm. Yeah. Now, what do smokers do? Yeah. Your identity and how you see yourself is the strongest force in the human personality. You know, why do vegetarians not eat meat? Yeah, it's not because they have different teeth yeah, or a different digestive system. Their identity is, I am a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Now, there's many different reasons they could choose to be a vegetarian. That's irrelevant. But once their identity is that's who they are, I can tell you what they are and what they're not going to eat on a menu. So when it comes to smoking, yeah, the identity of a smoker is you know, something that compels them to smoke because that's who they are. That's what they do. Now, if you have intellectual knowledge that says I shouldn't smoke, it means nothing. Yeah, you look at the warnings on the packets, they're still lighting up. Yeah, they run out of breath a little bit. Yeah, until one day they have an emotional hit where you know, uh, they go from intellectual knowledge to emotional understanding. And that could be, as in your dad's case, was a heart attack. It's like, whoa, okay, now it's real. Mm. Right? Now, until they, uh, and that, that will usually get people to transform in the moment, because yeah, it's very powerful. The emotions are very powerful, very strong. But unless they change their identity, it's very difficult to sustain it long term. And what do I mean by that? Well, you've heard people that have quit smoking and they change their identity from a smoker to a smoker who's quit. Yeah. And so if you're a smoker who's quit, you're going to it's only a matter of time before you run out of willpower, because if somebody offers you a cigarette, it's a case of well, you know, my identity saying I smoke, but my willpower saying I've quit. Now, it sounds like dad shifted his identity for seven years to being a non-smoker, but then it was so disassociated from that experience and the pain and the emotional imprint that he picked more up one day, because what harm can it do? And boom, now he's changed his identity back to a smoker. Hmm. So, you know, if your identity is, I am a non-smoker, there's no willpower required when somebody offers you a cigarette because you don't smoke. And I said, oh, well, I've quit. You know, why do people tell you how long they've quit for? So they can brag about how long they lasted before they went back. Hmm. Yeah, because they haven't changed their identity to becoming a non-smoker. Yeah, identity is so powerful when it comes to stuff like that. You know, are you a entrepreneur or are you an entrepreneur? Yeah, are you, yeah, are you somebody that wants to be an entrepreneur yeah, and therefore you, know, you think you have to have a successful business in order to validate that identity? Or no, I don't care if I have a business right now. I'm a born entrepreneur. That's what I do. In which case, I'll attract the opportunities because that's what entrepreneurs attract. It's, identity is so critical. It's so interesting that you're saying that everything comes down to really who you identify yourself as. How do you change Absolutely. your How do you change your identity then? Because you know it's like almost. And who creates that identity? Like who decide who decided that he was a like when did he decide I'm a smoker now? Like when did people decide I am? And you know what? Let's take your book as an example, uh, Inside Track, where you you went in to visit uh, uh, the toughest prisons in the UK, right? Um, and, and tell us a little bit about the stories there and 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 how. 
the prisoners identified themselves and how they could change their identity from being somebody who who's a wow. a convict <laughs> you know to someone yeah. who's right now I, i'll give you a classic and personal example there because i didn't go in to visit the toughest prisons right? i was sent there as an inmate what yeah as the only non-criminal in britain's toughest jail I'm yeah. so confused. Hold yeah, on a second. I was uh, last year. I I found myself on on the back end of a, a, a civil action. I was I was arguing the toss over some business deals I'd done with a major PLC six years before, and they spun a contempt of court application on me, which I thought would be laughed out of court in five minutes, uh, and they sold it to the judge, and he gave me six months as a civil prisoner, never even been accused of a crime. Oh my goodness! And one minute I'm running a successful business with fifty three staff, and the next minute I'm I'm put into a two hundred year old Victorian jail with murderers, terrorists, rape and everything else and uh, and uh, I was there for six months lost my business lost everything and one of the most incredible and amazing adventures of my life and part of the reason for that and part of the reason that I I, you know, I did what I did inside which you know without you know cutting too much of the story out yeah you know, I, I won national awards while I was in there I stopped people committing suicide I got you know a lot of the prisoners off drugs yeah you know, I, I fundamentally changed the intake system around the, the mentality of how people are inducted yeah uh, and and that legacy is carrying on today in prisons uh, all over the world but you know, wow. for me it was talk about identity yeah I you know I when it looked as if it was going the wrong way in court I turned around to my fiance and I said honey it looks it looks like I could be going away here oh she says what the hell do we do you know this you know we, we've made no provisions there was no didn't it was unexpected and I said to her I said look yeah, my, my global mission has been stated for a long time. I, I want to raise the global consciousness of humanity. You know, I've been very fortunate the last 10, 15 years that my work has been seen by millions of people around the world. And I've helped transform a lot of people. I says, you know, I'm very blessed and humbled by that. But I'm sure there's also a lot of people that would benefit from my work who never get access to it. And if life wants to send me inside somewhere like Pentonville to be able to go do my work, let me go. That's incredible. And she wow. looked at me and she had tears running down her eyes. I says, honey, I'm not going to be a prisoner. You know that, right? She says, what do you mean? I says, I'm a secret agent of change. Oh, my goodness. Let me go. And wow. that was the identity I adopted from the moment I walked down the steps to the day I was released. Wow. And I got letters. In fact, the, the, the last when I was released, one of the senior officers for 27 years wrote, wrote a beautiful letter. It's in the book saying that in the in the last six weeks i was in the the more more of an open prison i, I was in a, a, a strong maximum type security for, for four and a half months shouldn't have been there should have been there for three days before they transferred me but because the system is so broken mm -hmm. and i needed to be there to help the people i needed to help i mean that was obvious yeah but he wrote a letter saying i transformed over 75 percent of the prison in six weeks oh my and, and that's what i was there to do uh, and part of that was again just going in to serve going and it's not about me how do I, you know I've, I've obviously been given this for a reason i call it a graduation event yeah, and we all get them. Yeah, they're, just, they're, they're lessons for us to be able to demonstrate yeah, that, yeah, uh, let me put it this way. One, one, of the, one of the fundamental philosophies that I have is that theory doesn't cover the price of admission to the higher levels of greatness. Mm. Yeah, so you can learn all you want, but life is going to test you. If you, you. Can you walk your talk? Wow. You know, and it's a great example is, you, is when you're married, right? At the end of the day, your wife or your spouse knows who you really are, right? Your kids know who you really are. Your children are the best examples because they, <laughs> they'll call me out on everything. They're like, oh, yeah, dad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about when you did? Oh, shut up. Shut up. Don't say, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. So it's no, it's, and, and it's the presenting principle. Yeah, it's part of the game of life. You know, everything inconsistent with who you want to become will present itself. That's part of the game. You know, if you're an Olympic athlete and you want to win, you want to win a gold medal. Everything inconsistent with that is going to present itself. You like pizzas? It's going to present itself. Mm -hmm. You don't want to train when you're tired? It's going to present itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just part of the game. Now we talk about the rumble strip. Yeah, you're going to get feedback, but life tends to have a. Um, a modus operandi that escalates you know there is a law of escalating feedback you know, and life will tap you on the shoulder if you're lucky and whisper in your ear and if you ignore that it's gonna you know clip you around the ear if you ignore that it may just reach for a two by four <laughs> you know? wow. that's part that's just how the game's set up and once you stop resisting that and understand it's just part of the you know what i call earth school you know mm -hmm. that's why we're here we're here to learn how to grow up you know spiritually emotionally and you know if you never had a context to school Daniel, then just think about it, right? If you were sent to school and you didn't have a context for understanding what school was about, mm -hmm. you'd resist it. You'd resent it. Why am I being told to sit here? Why am I being given this test, this exam? Why have I got to... <laughs> I did. <laughs> it, 
Yeah, yeah, you know. But if if the teachers come in on it, if, if you've got, got a context for understanding, it doesn't mean to say you're still going to like it, but you know why you're there. And if the teachers came in one day and said, look, we've decided you don't have to show up for any more classes. There's not going to be any more tests. You're free to do what you like. like. Yay! And then they say, oh, but nobody graduates. You're like, oh, hang on a minute. I, I'm here because I want to graduate. Hmm. Yeah, and you have a different association. Yeah, you're an athlete and you're in the gym and you're a personal trainer. You've hired an expensive personal trainer. Yeah, you, you're going to want your money back if you're not throwing up in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it, and, but if you take the perspective of the, uh, of the muscle fiber and you're busting out that last rep and he's screaming at you and you're trying to do everything you can to burn that last rep, the muscle fiber is being broken down. Mm-hmm. It's screaming to the brain, stop, stop, you're killing me. What's going on? This is too much. Yeah, but you as the mentality of the athlete, you're very proud to bust out that last rep. You, you feel great about yourself not being able to lift your arms for a day <laughs> because you understand why you're there. You're there to win the medal. And that's where most people forget. You know, they're, they're here in the gym of life. They're resisting the workout because they don't have a context for understanding that we're here to grow and give the best of who we are to the world as our greatness, not shrink from adversity, shrink from responsibility uh, and try to hide out in a comfort zone that was never designed for the human experience. It's incredible. But I mean, in theory, it sounds incredible. And it, you sound like a superhero, like literally. I mean, I can picture you in court and you turning around to your fiance and saying that and believing it and actually doing it. And most people will break down. We would fall into self-pity, depression, the whole gambit. How do you do, like, how do you get that mental, emotional toughness? How do you... To identify yourself as an undercover, like, you know, agent of change, that's like, yeah, it's so easy to say it, but you actually did it. And and I don't understand how you can. Theory doesn't cover the price of admission. You know, theory doesn't cover the price of admission to the high levels of greatness. That's just the part of the rule. So, yeah, I'm, you know, with the things I could have done different and better, of course, but that's part of the game. You see, you don't get to give, yeah, you don't grow from giving the right answers uh, on the test. Yeah, you grow from giving the wrong answers on the test. Yeah, so p- people beat themselves up for not getting 100% on the exam. That's not why we're here. So, you know, there was what made it very fascinating was that the book itself wasn't written after the fact. When I went in, you know, I'd say I had a thriving coaching business, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I went in and I thought, wow, you know, you can't change what's happened. That's one of the first things to, to come to terms with. You, you accept what is. Resisting what is futile. Yeah, and a waste of energy and, and put you into regret and guilt and all kinds of low-level stuff. But yeah, I thought, right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to write to my coaching clients every two weeks and just tell them what's going on, what tools I'm using, showing them how I'm, I'm coping with this. Because, wow, you know, what, a, what a case study. You know, I never saw this coming. I'd never be able I'm getting to see stuff I'd only ever seen on, in, on movies. This is amazing, right? I remember the first night they put me in the cell. I'm, I'm with a guy for the first time. And I walk in. I'm like, oh, my God, wow. And he says, what? As they slam the door behind me, right? He says, they give me my own meditation room. And it's got a toilet. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and he, he thought I'd lost it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I was locked up with this guy for a couple of days before you know, going to eventually get a non-smoking point. And he looked like his world had fallen in. His name was Alex from Bangladesh. And uh, he was there because he nipped into court that day, parked his car outside, going in to get a, a date for a trial. The judge had remanded him. No previous convictions. It was a minor assault charge, but the judge had put him on remand. Yeah. And his world had fallen through. This was a Friday. Mm-hmm. He'd spent his whole life savings getting married on Saturday. Oh, God, no. And, yeah, he was like, he's like, I mean, you can imagine the hole in the floor that swallowed him up and... And by the end of the weekend, he turned around and, and I, I'm a big believer in, in training your, your mind. You know, this doesn't happen by choice. I wasn't born positive. Right. Yeah, this is this is decisions that you make to consistently program yourself. And you know, I keep a magic moments list. So I started one when I went inside. Hmm. And one of the first, you know, one of the first, not the first, but one of the first magic moments was when he turned around to me after the first two days and said, um, wow, I, I came here on Friday thinking my world had fallen apart. I now know I came to prison just to meet you. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was locked up with me for two days. The guy's gonna get um, the guy's gonna get both barrels from me. You know, that's <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and so I, I ended up having two good magic moments. Yeah, in six months. But it, it doesn't happen as you say, Dan. It doesn't happen by chance. It's incredible. You know, it happens by choice. Yeah, and that's wow. you know, who do you surround yourself with? Do you have a peer group? Or do you have a fear group? Yeah, are, are you driven by the good opinion of others? Well, like goop. 
Yeah, spend your life swimming in a group or do you have social freedom where you you realize that nobody else cares enough about you to bother to give an opinion because they're too busy being worried about what they think you're thinking of them mm. and you break that illusion yeah, and you stand fearlessly and make no apologies for your own truth as long as you're not harming anybody else yeah that's a life of meaning that's a life of courage that's a life of being able to move forward do you born that way no buddha wasn't born enlightened he was born prince siddhartha yeah, it's part of the journey. And if I got a long way to go, hell yes. But those letters that I wrote were private letters. I didn't think anyone would read them apart from my coaching clients. So when I came out, they said, you've got to publish these. Mm -hmm. So the book, The Inside Track, is actually just the 11 letters. And it's part journal, part how-to. I mean, part soap opera, if you read it. Wow. It's, it's yeah, I'm excited to read it. It's wow. an actual live account. That's incredible. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating read. Uh, I'm very blessed. The reviews on Amazon have just been you know, so amazing. I'm very humbled, uh, and it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's a how-to manual for dealing with adversity. You know, because if you've never been taught, I mean, how many classes at school did you go to on dealing with adversity? Mm, yeah, yeah, zero. Versus <laughs> learning the periodic table. You know, because that that's what we wanted to learn. You know, what makes us relate to each other as people? What gets us out of bed in the morning, excited or not excited? How can we get over the flat tire on a Monday morning? Hmm. That's that's life skills. Yeah, I don't want to learn algebra. <laughs> that, that's not served me well since I left school at 16. Right. You know, so I threw myself into personal growth at the age of 17 because I came across it and I was blown away. I'm like, wow, there's an industry that teaches you how to be successful. Yeah, where was that in school? That's what I wanted to learn. And that's why I've spent, well, exactly you know, 30 years this year yeah, mm. in that industry. That's that's why I do what I do, because you know, I, I love you know, I, I love to learn and grow and give my gift because I found that's where fulfillment is. Forget success. That's what most people think it is. Uh, and don't complicate it. You, you, the easiest way I can sum it up, and mm. again, please don't complicate it. I tried being unhappy once. I didn't like it. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> Be happy. Think happy. I think happy for thoughts but you know that the self-help self-development industry has a lot of you know gets a lot of flack you know people going oh it's the same you know same cute one-liners and quotes and just think happy thoughts and all that like you have people who who really knock it and 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 you know what do you say to that what do you say to all the you know all the people that basically think that it's just it's just a, in a way a lot of people just trying to make a, a buck by getting up on stage and, and getting people all like for example let's take tony robbins right we know that you know i don't know i don't know the numbers but there's a very small amount a very small percentage of people who actually go to tony robbins events and then actually change their lives right most people uh, and I, I with Tony around the world for 15 years. I was one of his uh, trainers uh, mm -hmm. from 2002. I was I was very blessed to, to to be the youngest serving trainer in 2002, right up to to present. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've I've been in that environment, you know, firsthand for for uh, you know, around the world for many years. And you're absolutely right. And and the detractors of well, there's two things. There's the the, the general detractors of personal growth are yeah. You know, what, what do I say to them? In, in all fairness, look in look at your life, and it shows. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, those that you either critique the personal growth industry for being full of people that want to get rich by telling you how to get rich, that I fully concur with. Yeah, there's a lot of wannabes, there's a lot of people that get on stage that talk a good game, that when you go behind the curtain, they are not who they say they are. Yeah, and uh, again, that's why you know, I, I was grateful for the graduation event. Yeah, throw me in jail and see how good your positive coach shows up. Yeah, because that's a pretty good test, to be fair. Yeah, uh, and uh, but there's a lot of people that are, uh, are, are voicing platitudes and dressing up, you know, the classic, you know, think and grow rich type stuff with new language to try to sell more expensive, complicated stuff. So that I'm against. I, I, that's an aspect of the industry I concur does need yeah, um, uh, overhaul. Mm -hmm. uh, people should be paid on results, not on on hype. And so. Uh, but for those that don't want to follow a path of personal growth, I'm sorry, that's just like sitting in McDonald's saying you never want to go to the gym mm -hmm. yeah, because you don't believe in that positive thinking stuff. And yeah, and guess what? It shows. Yeah, I don't know what rumble strips are probably going on in their lives, or but it's probably you know, not a life of living their greatest potential. Mm. Yeah. And, and you don't have to go to a rah, rah seminar to be able to do that. You know, what is your attitude? What's your intent? You know, I was watching the, I think everybody was watching the UFC 229 uh, mm -hmm. the weekend. Uh, and one thing I, I loved about, you know, take the main card out, but Tony Ferguson. Yeah, Tony Ferguson. 
outsider has a very unique philosophy. He hasn't sparred in years. He works on his own game, yet he is more committed. He's got his own route because he's got in his mind, he knows he's the champion. He's moving forward. Uh, he doesn't brag about it. He doesn't need to you know, uh, go and do uh, stuff to do, uh, but he's now, it doesn't matter which route you take, or you can be the big mouth, you know, sort of, you know, spectacle. I, I, I like, if, if you're, if you can, you know, want to throw down at the spectacle, fine. But that doesn't give you an excuse not to find your own route. You know, because if you're committed to being better than who you were yesterday, or you're not, right, there's no middle ground. Yeah, you're pregnant or you're not. You're not half pregnant. Yeah, you're either committed to growing personally and doing something towards that and moving your feet in that direction, irrespective of you getting 100% or 20% on a test, that's okay. But take the test. Yeah, mm -hmm. Get in the game. Swing the bat. Go give your gift in life. Don't hide out because you want to point fingers at other people. That doesn't take courage. Yeah, Critics aren't, aren't, aren't courageous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It doesn't take courage to hide behind a keyboard and start slagging people off. It doesn't take courage to point fingers and, and show other people's flaws. It takes courage to look in the mirror and work on yourself and be willing to be humble enough to say, hey, listen, I screwed up. Yeah, I'm not perfect. Yeah, because I've got news for you. If you're perfect, expect a bus to come by any moment because you've graduated Earth school. You no longer need to be here. <laughs> you when, when, you that's, walked, that's when, when you walked out of prison, right, what did that feel like? Was that, I mean, the next morning when you woke up in your bed, did you feel lost? Did you feel like out of place because... Interesting. Um, no, is the answer to that. I, I felt na natural. I write about this in the last letter that I wrote just before I left. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and walking out was magic moment, literally number 200. I got magic moment number 199 walking around the prison the, the, the night before in the open prison that I was finally moved to. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, when, when I came out, it almost felt natural. It was like, you know, I, one of the metaphors that I used when I first went in, Daniel, was, you know, I'm, we're, we're all actors starring in the movie of our life. I think we can all agree on that. You know, mm -hmm. Why? Because we're the only person that's in every scene of our movie. <laughs> right? we're, we're, we're the star. By definition, everybody else is either, you know, if you're lucky, a supporting cast. You may have a, a you can count them on one hand, you know, yeah. a spouse, a partner, a, a what have you. 99.9% .9 of people in your movie throughout your life are going to be nothing more than film extras in your movie. Mm -hmm. Now, the flip side to that is that we walk around as the star of our movie thinking people see us as the star of our movie, which is why we're so conscious, <laughs> self-conscious and driven by the good opinion of others. Right. So true. Whereas we don't realize that we're nothing more than an extra in their movie. Right? <laughs> exactly. That's why they, they, they spend their life worrying about what we're thinking of them as the star in their movie. They're not. The, we don't see them as a star of their movie. They're right. an extra in ours. You know. So, uh, wow. but, but here's the thing. If you take the movie of your life, mm -hmm. I want to live an incredible movie. What does an incredible movie have? Everything. It has drama, intrigue, comedy, tragedy, you know, romance, everything. Mm. Right? I want do you want to pay good money to watch James Bond rescue a kitten out of a tree for 90 minutes? <laughs> right? You're not gonna pay to watch that movie again, are you? Right? Mm, right? No. So many people are trying to live their life like that movie. I just let play it safe. So when I went in, I simply saw myself on location filming the prison scene of my movie for six months. That, that, that was it, yeah? And that's why I'm there. Now, wow. if you take James Bond as an example, you take Daniel Craig. He's a professional actor. He reads the script. There's going to be parts of that script where he's going to be lying on the beach with, you know, a Victoria's Secret model Bond girl. And, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he <laughs> likes those scenes. But there's also going to be scenes in there where he's wrestling the baddie under the Arctic ice. Right now, and he's going to be away from his family. He's going to be on location. His job, he may have a preference for some of the scenes, but his job is to show up as a professional actor in every single scene. Hmm. Now, yeah, I may would like to have been on stage doing what I do with my events or being on podcasts, trying to share my message to the world like this one. But I was I was on location for six months. And as a professional actor, that was my job to show up as the way as I, I should do regardless. And that's how I saw it. So when I came out, I simply finished that particular scene. And now I was on to the next scene. Yeah. Wow. What, what part of the next movie? What What's the next bend in the river going to bring? I, I'm excited. If you're the actor, who's the director? Well, that's when we get to you know the bigger picture, and you know I, I hate to use labels because labels are nothing more than an invention of the mind to allow you to conceptualize and give meaning to something in a more easier way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why we say, "Oh, look, that's a tree." It's not a tree. It's what we call a tree. Mm. It's not a tree. The tree doesn't actually know it's called a tree by you. It doesn't care. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, if you have a, a situation where uh, you're labeling 
whatever it, the director or the producer is, which is uh, an unseen force. See, you know, w what we now know, uh, and this is going to be a massive thing over the next 10 years as digital physics and, and, and quantum mechanics start to coincide. We know that physical matter reality is nothing more than a subset of something more fundamental. All right? Now, we would call that f fundamental as a label consciousness. Mm -hmm. yeah, we're a derivative of it. We're a part of it. We're an individuated expression of it, just as the blood cells in your body. Yeah, you, you, I mean, imagine a red and a white blood cell. Mm -hmm. Two things with separate identities, born at different times, different colors, both going to die at different times, both have different paths and different jobs to do. Can you see any parallel to it? All right, to you know, a black guy and a white guy you know, in New York, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah, But what if you and I were just individual blood cells in the universal body of consciousness? Would that upset you as a possibility? Mm -hmm. Or would it unite you into a larger understanding rather than a sense of individuation? Because if those two blood cells met each other, they would have a sense of individuation. Mm -hmm. But if our blood cells had the same kind of petty arguments that we have between us, we wouldn't be living for very long. Right. Yeah? Here's the white blood cell, the lymphocytes. And, you know, I, I run around picking all this bacteria up and dumping it into the lymph. And all you've got to do is, is collect some hemoglobin and drop it off at the lungs. I mean, I, I'm going on strike. I want equal pay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you, you wouldn't get it, right? Or, or they, they wouldn't form gangs and be disrespectful for each other. And you know, you'd have the liver cells writing on social media about why the heart cells are bad. I mean, mm. it's, you know, give me a break. Victimhood so, is a weakness, no. you're saying. Second. Essentially, you're saying that victimhood is a, is a weakness, and it and it doesn't doesn't get you anywhere. Of course not. I mean, I mean, try it. Hang out there. It may make you feel good in the moment, mm -hmm. and it may be a sustain. A, sorry, a, an attainable way to connect with yourself if you feel you can't connect with anything else. So right? you're saying the director. But, you're saying the director is the collective consciousness, which we're all basically a part of. Then, we, we can label it. A hundred ways. Yeah, right. I don't call it, care if you call it God. I don't care. Yeah. And the challenge with, with the label of God is that it's been so personified. Correct. You know, I don't believe that God created man in his own image. I believe man created God in his own image. Right? It's an anthropomorphic mm. projection because what if you mm. study religion, what tends to happen, uh, same with anything. People are very good when they're confronted with something they don't know or understand. Mm. Why, what they do is they project what they do know into what they don't know. Yeah. Now, I don't know who or what created us. I'm just very grateful for it. Yeah. I mean, all of it. it, it wow. the, the, call it the divine. Call yeah. it nature. Call it evolution. Call it, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan. Call it the force. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. You want to dress it up, put a beard on it and stick it in a cloud. <laughs> yeah, great. You know, yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you want to connect to something more fundamental. Great. I, I don't care right. what your label is. The label is irrelevant. Like the tree doesn't care that you call it a tree. Mm. So what's the right? script? The script for your movie. Yeah. Well, there's an overarching premise, in my opinion, and that is to grow up. In other words, to become a better actor. Yeah. Now, so actors take scripts that challenge them if they want to become better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look at the classics. Look at Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man or Bob Hoskins in Who Framed Roger Ram. You know, groundbreaking roles mm -hmm. that stretch them to their limits, past their comfort zone, that cause them to step up in the gym and lift the weight. Mm -hmm. Now, for many people, no, 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 no. Give me an easy role. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, but you know, if you've got an easy role, then the director's going to start throwing some stuff into your script to try to challenge you. That's part of the game. Mm. Right? If, if, if you're a good actor and you did well, then you bring that acting ability into your next script. Yeah? Forget your past lives or whatever labels you want to call it. Let's call, let's call this current movie a certain script. Mm -hmm. yeah? You had screwed up parents. Well, maybe that's the script you chose because it allowed you to become or grow a, a, a part of your acting skill that would help other people further down. Mm. Yeah, you shift context and content becomes irrelevant. But most people spend their entire life complaining at the content of their life rather than seeing an empowering context for it. Mm. And so if the goal for a Hollywood actor or actress is an Emmy Award, for example, yep. what what's our goal as an actor? I, I, would, uh, I would not just hypothesize about this. I, I would deduce it, right? One thing that we do know from observation is that evolution in this physical world um, happens. Yeah, We can witness it happening and we can look at 400 million years of fossil records. Mm -hmm. So what is evolution telling us? It's telling us that the purpose of life is to evolve. What does that mean? It means to grow into more 
um, expressions of higher levels of complexity, right? If you take an amoeba mm -hmm. versus 50 to 100 trillion cells of a human body, what's the difference? One thing, complexity. What does complexity require? Cooperation. Yeah, you've got 50 independent amoebas. They're going to be fighting each other for the food source. Mm -hmm. You've got 50 trillion cells in a human body. They better cooperate, otherwise you're not here. So evolution is expressing higher and higher levels of cooperation. What is the ultimate extrapolation of that? Where are we heading? What's the destination? Why are we here? Mm. Love. Love is the ultimate extrapolation of cooperation. So what's our movie? What's our Emmy Award? We're learning how to become higher expressions of love. Mm. Deal with it. Mm. And you know the Hebrew word. I'm Jewish, by the way. Uh, so Hebrew Hebrew word for um, for love is ahava, and the root of the word. And in every Hebrew word, there's a root uh, to the word. Um, and the the root of the word ahava, which is to love, is to give hav, which means to give. Mm. And so ultimately, the, yeah. I mean, ultimately, the the the, the way to love, right? Because it, people get mistaken. They think love is an emotion. It's not. It's an action. Right, we think we need to it's love. A, yeah, expression. It's, a, it's, it's expressing. expression of harmony. Right. Yeah, Be beautiful. Yeah, and it's yeah, and if you look at it, I mean, the, yeah, let, let's go back to the producer or the director or whichever label you want to call. You yeah. know, the, the intelligence that set up this game. Yeah, because the, the realities like this don't just pop into existence. Right. Yeah, that, that's part of the issues I've got with this scientific community that are Newtonianly, you know, sort of locked into their paradigm. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, give us one free miracle. Yeah, the universe popped into existence from nothing, and we'll explain why you're not allowed to have any more miracles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't buy that. Right. So, if you understand that. You know, to, in, in order to set up the game, they could, you know, whoever set up the game or whatever set up the game yeah, could have set it up anyway. How do you create a human being? Yeah, you could squeeze the thumbnail and one pops out. It, it could have had any, any, any set it up anyway. Mm -hmm. So how it is set up clearly has to squeeze teach you something. Squeeze the thumbnail. My wife would love that. We're giving, actually, we're giving, <laughs> we're giving, we're giving birth to our fifth child next month. And uh, my wife's oh, wow. like, yeah, my wife's literally, she's warning me. She's like, it's coming. It's coming. I'm like, oh God, again. Uh, yeah, squeeze the thumbnail, please. If <laughs> we, we, we don't give women enough credit for that, by the way, no, at, at, no, at all, in, in any way, shape or form. No. But coming to the point of, of how the game is set up, mm -hmm. yeah, a man and a woman have to learn how to cooperate, otherwise we go extinct. Yeah. Now, at the lower levels of consciousness, yeah, in the early days of evolution, we've got some hormonal triggers and, and everything. We sort of label that as lust. But as you grow up and mature spiritually and emotionally and evolve, then that becomes love. Yeah? And if mm -hmm. you don't learn how to do that, I've got news for you. Yeah, We ain't surviving. So the whole way the game is set up staring us in the face. Mm. Yeah, it's, you know, there's clues everywhere, guys, you know? So, yeah, for me, what's winning the Emmy? Be as loving as you can. Yeah, graduate this year in Earth School and you get to go to college or the next year in Earth School. And guess what? Yeah, if you pass you know, grade nine, you go to grade 10. Are the questions harder? Mm. There should be. They're mm. meant to be. Yeah, you pass grade 10, you go to grade 11. Guess what? The questions are harder. They're meant to be. Yeah, it doesn't stop. We're here to evolve. We're here to grow up. And once you get a context for that, you enjoy the journey. It's it's so amazing. We get to come and have this experience in on in Earth School, where there's sunsets and there's chocolate and there's sex and there's movies and there's <laughs> there's there's stuff and there's challenge and there's growth and there's opportunity. And we get to come and play and give our gift, no matter what the movie script. And then you know, hopefully go under and get a, a, an award nomination or two, or, or learn from where we could could learn uh, as to how we could do it better next time. That's, that's that's how I see life. I love it. I love it. Essentially, what what I think the message is, what we what you said earlier about, <laughs> I love it that you are the main actor in your movie, but everybody else is the main actor in their movie, right? You're just an extra, right? And I love that because if people really understood that, when when they walked into a wedding hall or wherever they walk into. Um, instead of thinking, well, well, how do I look? You know, what do they think? If they realize that everyone's thinking the same thing, nobody really gives a damn how you look. They just care about how they look, right? And so right. if we basically walk around and treat people as if they are the main actor in their movie mountains, we see that, then, then that's going to drastically change everything. Because then we you, you touch on, Yeah, you, you touch on something so powerful, so fundamental.
you see what most people are, are running around in life doing you know they're, they're trying to run around looking for a place to reattach their umbilical cord <laughs> they're looking to, to get significance yeah they're, they're looking to get acceptance validation yeah and all of that and so therefore they they act in a way that they hope will get approval and, and recognition and, and significance yeah and connection whereas if everybody's doing that what happens if you give it to them? What happens if instead of playing the game of how do I raise my own significance, mm -hmm. you started playing the game of how do I raise the significance of others? Yes. Because at that point, you instantly become more significant. But you mm -hmm. get it by osmosis mm -hmm. rather than you know, by uh, yeah, trying, to, trying to force the world to give it to you by, mm. by commanding it. No, no. Yeah, it happened. See, Gandhi was revered. Not because he set out you know, to, to, to you know, be revered, but because, you know, he was in service. He was trying to help more people. Mm -hmm. Nelson Mandela, one of the greatest living leaders, came out of, of jail after 27 years, 18 on Robben Island, and the entire country was ready to go to civil war. Mm -hmm. And they felt justified. Finally, it's our turn. Yeah, and that wasn't just blacks against whites. That was every kind of shade you can think of. And what did he do? He comes out and said, you know, if I knew if I didn't leave all my hatred inside, I'd still be in jail. Mm -hmm. And so if I can forgive them... What excuse have you got? And he created the rainbow nation of tolerance of all the different colors, the majesty and all the different colors. Absolute genius. Right? He didn't set out to be the most revered leader. No. Yeah, he was a smart guy and a good politician, but his focus was on how can I serve, not how can I yeah, build my own reputation because in case people don't like me. I love it. Love it. Well, you know, it's, it reminds me actually of this, um, there's ancient Jewish wisdom um, that talks about how in, in the next world, um, and again, whether you believe, don't believe it, uh, just listen to the, the message of it is key. You know, people talking about going to heaven and having, you know, some people believe in 70 virgins and some people believe in, you know, an angel playing the harp or, or whatever fantasy you want to have. Um, but... Um, Essentially, it's going to be a buffet. Well, uh, one long big table. And you're going to be sitting opposite someone. There's going to be a whole row of people all sitting opposite somebody else. And all the delicacies in the world are going to be on this table. All of your favorite foods, everything. And it's, uh, and it's essentially, it's, it's eternity. So, and you can literally just eat as much as you want. You'll never get full. It just always feels great, right? The only thing is, is there's one catch. In front of you, you have a spoon or fork, whatever utensil it is, um, but it's extremely long. And so what you do is you try to, to feed yourself, but you can't because it's so long that you can't reach your own mouth. Now, the people who live this life serving others will straight away automatically take that utensil and they will, because they're used to it, because that's what they, they did in this world, they will feed the person opposite them. And of course, in return, the person opposite them will use their utensil to feed you. But the people who lived selfishly and only thought about themselves will spend an eternity trying to feed themselves with this utensil and never be satisfied. Beautiful. Beautiful. And great message. Yeah. yeah. Abs absolute great message. So... Yeah. Someone listening to this that really wants to, you know, t take control because it's, you know, you, I, I wrote a book called The Self-Help Addict, you know, and it, it's all about people just listening to podcasts and, and going to seminars and reading books and just constantly, you know, feeding this addiction of, of wanting to grow. How do they take action? What, what would you, what would your one thing that they should go away from this when they switch this off? What should the first thing they, they, they do to, to take that well, step? There's 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 action and there's mindset. Yeah, okay. the first thing, yeah, a mindset is always first. Yeah, forget trying to do anything. Yeah, you switch your thinking and your behavior follows. Uh, but try to change your behavior without changing your thinking, and you're going to pick up that cigarette again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, one of my first uh, uh, questions to them is, yeah, are you okay to take responsibility for everything that happens? Because if you're not, you're going to hit the rumble strip at some point, mm. right? So I don't care if it's you You think that, you know, you've been ripped off in business, your best friend's been taken away, whatever it is. If you can't own you know, your own life, your own movie script you know, at, the, at the deepest level, you, you're going to have challenges. So come to terms with what it is that you can you can own. Uh, and yeah, from there, it, it, it helps let go of resentments, help let go of victimhood. But then pick a reason that you want to be here. Yeah, you signed up for this movie for a reason. 
what do you want to do? Now, I don't mean career. I don't mean, I mean, what gift do you want to give? Your career will find you. How do you find that? Right? Uh, because you get true to what it is that you know you, you want to give. What, what lights you up? Ask better questions. Hmm. Yeah, and this is also where people tend to fall down because it's, oh, follow your passion. I don't believe in following your passion because too many people confuse passion for comfort. Oh, I really like it when that happens because it's comfortable. Hmm. Right? No. Yeah. Chase your potential, not your passion. Yeah? Hmm. And your passion will present itself along that journey. Yeah. As part of that journey. Yeah? So, yeah, if you really want to make a difference, start owning everything that happens and be okay with that. Stop blaming everybody else. Yeah, or at least you know, try to let go of that because yeah, it, it is a process. Uh, if you really want to you know, live a life of meaning, stop focusing on yourself. You know, I believe that nearly all stress comes from when we're too focused on ourselves. Yeah, and why are we focused on ourselves? Because we think we didn't get something as a kid that we think we deserved, mm -hmm. be it love, be it recognition, be it whatever. So what do you do? Use that as your teacher training in order for you to be able to go give that gift that you didn't have to somebody else in a way that you can relate. And that all of a sudden shifts the game. Now you've got a life of meaning and purpose. Yeah, light up. Start, if you wouldn't want to make a shift, start raising the significance of others. Yeah, not so that you can use it as a tool to try to get more yourself. That, that's manipulating the law rather than being in the spirit of the law. Hmm. Why? Because what I've learned in all my years of being in this movie, in this incredible movie, right, no matter what scene I'm in, yeah, is that the director and the producer do not write scripts for you based upon what you think. They write scripts based upon who you are showing up. Mm, I love that. You want a better script in your movie? Show up in a better way. Stop trying to force the pen yeah, into uh, uh, because you think you deserve something better. No, you get exactly what you need. And it responds to who you are, not what you, you, know, not what you do. I love that. But I noticed you're giving away a free PDF of the book, the Inside Track. Uh, well, there's a uh, the first. I think there's a the first um, chapter okay. uh, is available. You can download off the website. Okay. Uh, the rest is available on Amazon, and it's Kindle, iBooks. Uh, in fact, all the links are in there, which is really cool if you don't want to kill any trees. If you want to kill trees, the, uh, the paper version is there too. Uh, or the audio version. The audio version is, is online as well, where I'm, I'm actually talking. I really enjoyed that because it allowed me to express myself in a way that you know, I was really trying to communicate in the words. But the, the e-book is, uh, is awesome. Yeah, um, if somebody does want to go and have a look, it would be an honor for, for me to yeah, talk them through that journey, as it were. And mm. uh, hopefully they'll be able to get something out of it that can add you know, some acting skills in their own amazing movie. I love it. Peter, this has been absolutely incredible. I mean, I, literally, I could <laughs> I could talk to you for days, um, but uh, my wife would kill me and uh, and you would. And you would <laughs> we don't want that. No. Um, but this has been amazing. Thank you so much uh, for let me pick your brain and thank you to all my fellow listeners i'm looking forward to the day when i'll be picking your brain you've been listening to the can i pick your brain podcast inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth so to put these ideas into action head over to danielgeffen.com